Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly podcast. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today's special guest is Samantha Hohenschild. She is a certified integrative nutrition health coach and plant-based nutrition movement cooking instructor, helping women all around the country change how they think about food, their bodies, and their lives as a whole. A pioneer of the anti-diet movement, Samantha is passionate about debunking many popular diet culture myths and putting an end to the restrict or binge cycle for good. Her refreshing, insightful, and honest approach to healthy living and mind-body wellness promotes weight loss as the natural result of self-care and self-work, rather than the intentional pursuit of self-hatred and self-control. Samantha utilizes groundbreaking thought work strategies to help her clients reframe their mindset, approach their challenges from an entirely different perspective, and dramatically improve not only their relationships with food and their bodies, but each and every aspect of their lives. Hope you enjoy today's episode. MSE Podcast is dedicated to talking about the hard stuff and facilitating the conversations necessary for growth, healing, transformation, and genuine community. Now it's your turn. My hope is that you finish this episode feeling empowered to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE Podcast Conversation Starters Deck available at bygracenp.com. May these cards inspire you to speak out and be heard, and may you be authentically embraced for the uniqueness of your journey. Samantha, I'm so excited to have you on My Sentiments Exactly podcast today to talk about chronic dieting. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. My journey with dieting began at a very young age. Um, I was sort of teased entering my junior high years, and it really stuck with me, especially because I didn't really perceive myself to be that large compared to girls or boys around me. I I didn't feel like I was proportionally that much bigger. Mm -hmm. So to be singled out was really confusing and I took it really hard and later um when my mom began her dieting journey I was like well I'm probably a little young at the time I think I was 13 I was like probably a little too early for me to start but I think maybe I should take care of this sooner than later because I feel like as a young woman in our society especially there's so much emphasis that's put on your physical appearance you know disproportionately so compared to men and I'm not trying to minimize any struggles with any men out there who've had body image issues but I feel Mm -hmm. like as a woman you're just targeted so much stronger just in the way that our media is and the way that our culture is Mm -hmm. so it's so easy to internalize that as a young girl in our culture and I definitely did so I began dieting when I was about 13 Wow. And I never stopped. (laughs) And I literally, and when I say I dieted since I was 13, I know a lot of people who, you know, they would go on a diet like right before the summer or right after the holidays or something like Mm -hmm. that. I was a chronic dieter, dieting from the age of 13 until right around my 30th birthday. And in that time, I never stopped. 
you know, it was, it was like almost a compulsion or an addiction or a way of life. And I didn't really realize how consuming it was until I did, you know, it was one of those things where you literally wake up one day and you're just like, everything in my life is going to hell because I am addicted to intentionally changing the way that my body looks through Mm -hmm. my food restriction and through militant exercise. Literally, I looked around and my relationships were suffering because I was with drawing from social situations because I either, you know, didn't want to go out because I didn't feel pretty enough or I felt like none of my clothes fit. Um, or I would just avoid situations because I knew that there'd be food there and I didn't want to be tempted with something off plan. Right. So my social situations and my, and connections and even my romantic, my romantic relationship was suffering. My career was, so passionless because I never took the time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I was always so concerned about my weight and losing weight. And that right there is a whole conversation I can get into in terms of, you know, a feminist view on weight loss because that's kind of there by design, right? If women are always focused on their looks, they can't really focus on anything else. And that was true for me. I never really put the time into figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, what my real passions were. And I I just woke up one day and realized how empty my life was. Mm -hmm. All I had were my diets. And side note, even though I had lost weight here and there along with journey, when I made this realization, I was the highest I'd ever been excessively. So I'd never been even close to this weight. And I was so unhappy. It wasn't even the size of my body that was a problem. You know, I was tired all the time. I was depressed all the time. I had so little self-worth because I had associated my entire being with what I looked like and how much I weighed and all that. Yeah. It it was just such a detriment to my entire life. And I realized it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped. And it was right around the time I turned 30. And since then I've oddly lost a lot of weight without thinking about it. And that was sort of what I realized along the way was that once I started focusing on all of the other areas of my life that had taken a back seat up until this point, mm-hmm. once I was feeling like I was actually living my life and being my real self, I was drawn to food and to lifestyle choices that were going to benefit me in the ways that I wanted, whether it be, you know, getting nutritious food or um, mm-hmm. moving my body, getting more sleep, drinking more water. I naturally wanted to do many of these things, which up until now had been forced on me Yeah, because I legitimately cared about myself and wanted to take good care of myself as opposed to wanting to punish myself for looking the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so it was honestly my entire journey through dieting and, and my post journey from dieting it's been such a transformative experience and it was sort of my entryway into personal development of all facets, not just, you know, healthy eating and weight loss and all of that. And I really felt it was my calling to dedicate my experience and what I've learned to helping other people, specifically women, you know, break through some of those same challenges. Because again, It is just when you're in it, it is so hard to see it 
And then once yeah. you see it, you cannot not see it. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't even imagine just from age 13 to age 30. Long that's, time. <laughs> that's a really long time. What would you say, whether they were your own or maybe just from what you've seen in the media, what are the common misconceptions or stereotypes associated with weight loss or thinness? Um, well, I think that the largest one is this idea that if you become thin, you will immediately be happy. You know, we have been trained to believe that they equal one another and they super don't. I can think of the times in my life when I did get down to weights even lower than I am currently um, because of the excessive dieting. Mm -hmm. And I was not <laughs> happy. I mean, there were times that I was, but they were not, you know, they were not linked, right? They don't come together. And actually what I have found more than anything else is when you reverse it and you try to, uh, you know, pursue the happiness part of it, the weight tends to mirror that. Cause again, you're, you're coming at it from a place of love versus a place of punishment. Um, and so I think that that is another big misconception when it comes to weight loss is that in order to pursue it, you have to control what you do control your decisions around your activity level and your food and all of it you have to be excessively restrictive mm -hmm. you know with your food or you have to you know murder yourself in the gym and and like you know die on the treadmill or lift incredibly heavy weights yeah. um and put yourself in such an uncomfortable position in order to burn calories to lose weight all of that is completely untrue when you excessively restrict your calories, your, your body is going to hold on to as much weight as it can because it feels like it is in survival mode. Our bodies are designed to keep us alive. That's why they function the way that they do. Yeah. And when your body perceives a famine, it's not going to let go of those excess calories you may have on your body. They're going to keep them on. So rest excessively restricting from a physical standpoint doesn't work from an emotional standpoint is a completely separate discussion because I like to say that, you know, think of a, of a young child, when you put a young child in a room and you say, you know, there's 50 toys on the ground and you say, you can play with any of these toys, except that toy. What toy do they want to play with? The one that you said. They want to play with that toy, right. <laughs> the same thing with food. When you say, oh, you can eat all these things, but you can't have that. You can't have sweets. You can't have carbs. You can't have, you know, all of these things. Um, that's exactly what your body craves. Just from the, our, our brains are very primitive. And we forget that a lot. Absolutely. So the long story there is that, you know, in, in order to restrict your calories, you're actually doing a disservice to yourself. Same thing with exercise. If you're punishing your body in a way that you're constantly sore or you're, you know, you're breathing to a point where you're literally losing your breath, these things are not necessarily improving your health. And that's another misconception to your original question. You know, this idea that weight loss equals health. That's completely untrue. There are a lot of very unhealthy yeah. ways to lose weight. Um, and so I think we have to kind of start to understand that weight loss is its own thing. It is not tied to health. It is not tied to happiness. It is its own entity and we need to start treating it as such. Mm -hmm. And really we need to stop pursuing it intentionally and let it be sort of this fallout from 
making better decisions. That's a good one. And just like you said, weight loss and health, merging those two together can be a mistake a lot of times. And, you know, I've even heard, um, you know, people encouraging people to lose weight. And then when they lose a certain amount, they're like, okay, well, don't lose anymore or you're, you'll start looking sick. So then mm-hmm. weight loss yeah. becomes like an indication of, it's not even a positive, like to a certain weight is healthy. So it's just our standards for weight loss and health are just all over the place. (laughs) They are. Yeah. They're they're very backwards. And I think a lot of times we don't see that again, when, when you're in it, you know, you're, you're feeling as if you don't have the answers. You're like, I'm overweight or I don't know how to eat or whatever the situation is. Yeah. You feel like you don't have the answers and everyone else does. And so you're constantly looking to other people to tell you what, on a very fundamental level, I think everyone knows what foods are healthy and what foods are not. I think everyone knows you need to move your body. I think everyone knows you need to get proper sleep. These are not new ideas. Like we know what to do. But when you're in that space, you don't trust yourself. You don't trust your instincts. You don't trust the knowledge or your, your own experiences even. And so you're constantly looking for answers outside yourself. And when you do that, you have absolutely no filter because you're looking at all these different people and they're all telling you completely different things. I mean, look at some of the mainstream diets that are out there right now. The two biggest contenders are paleo and keto. And the two of them are literally completely opposite ideas of how to lose weight. And they're both being pushed at you as the truth. And so as someone who feels like they can't look within themselves to get the answers and they're constantly looking outside, there's so much contradiction and there's so much confusion and you end up feeling so paralyzed by it all that sometimes you just end up doing nothing. And I think that's the biggest issue that we have this flipped idea that, you know, we have to constantly look outside ourselves to get the very basic answers that it really boils down to. Got you. So would you encourage people to enter into weight loss programs to start these different diets? What would, what is your view on that? I, I think that so, so no, the short answer is no, I would not encourage <laughs> them to go into any sort of intentional weight loss. I think that when you make the decision to intentionally lose weight, you are doomed to fail. And I, and I say that from many years of experience and, you know, understanding just the, the biological reactions that your body is going to have when you engage in, in, in intentional weight loss. Um, but I do think that is, it's sometimes, sometimes beneficial to educate yourself on the different methods that are out there so that you can understand why dieting is bad and why it's important to find what works for you. Because kind of going back to the whole idea of the keto versus paleo discussion, I'm not condemning either one of those methodologies. I'm a firm believer that whatever works for you is what you need to do. And it doesn't matter what works for anyone else. You can choose either path, right? But Mm -hmm. if you don't understand what the options are, sometimes you're not necessarily doing the best thing for yourself. But I think that there needs to be like a a very fine line that we draw there because I do think that it can kind of go into compulsion. There is actually um, a syndrome out there where you get obsessed with eating healthy and it 
it's basically an eating disorder. It's just on the opposite end of the scale. And I think that sometimes when people, you know, try to over-educate themselves on the ways that are out there, you can sometimes, again, kind of back to before, you end up being paralyzed and doing nothing or making really bad decisions. I think instead of following a diet or, you know, joining a weight loss program or anything like that, I think that it's important to just really go back to the basics, which I think we all, like I said, inherently, we all know. If you look at a baby, for example, you don't have to tell the baby when it's time to eat. It cries and it tells you, you know, conversely, you don't have to tell it when it's full. It'll let you know. But along the way, we forget that, you know, we, we kind of, we grow up in households where you're not allowed to leave food on the plate or we, you know, we get all these messages about, you know, right. Was that you? (laughs) You know, it's bad. Like if you, it's like, I'm full, no clean plate, but I'm full. Like that's just it. That happens so much. And then we, we literally forget how to listen to our bodies and to understand when we are actually naturally full. Yeah. And so as adults trying to navigate this, process of eating which an infant can understand <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's not that hard you know it, it becomes this this cognitive battle where we're trying to make decisions oh it's not time to eat or I've already eaten too much or exactly. you know like it's too late to eat even though my stomach is growling and I'm in physical pain it's too late to eat exactly. you know things like that it's 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 bananas if you just take a breath and take the complication out of it eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, eat whole foods, eat more plants than not, and move your body and drink water Yeah, and sleep. (laughs) Like if you do these things that are very easy to do in theory, um, or I'm sorry, they're very simple. I won't say that they're easy because again, I think that over time we do get trained to not be able to do them. So it is work when you've not, there are people out there who've never experienced issues with food. And I remember when I was in my dieting uh, process, I would look at them with like wonder. I'm like, how is this so easy for you? <laughs> like I, it was, I didn't understand how they could sit there with a cake by them and just have one little tiny piece and be totally satisfied. And that's all they needed. It was like mind blowing to me. Um, and even, even now, like having a history with dieting, I still, I see people like that. And I'm just like, how? But that's how we're supposed to be. It's all of these mixed messages that we get in this programming that we get when we're young, particularly when we're young, but even into adulthood, where we just kind of forget about it all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that the best thing that you can do instead of joining someone else's program who's telling you when to eat and what to eat, try to do the work to figure out a program that works for yourself. Your and own I program. That that, yeah. I, I do think that... that I think that that does take knowledge of what's out there, like I said, but it ultimately comes down to your own decisions. Because there are some people, you know, there are some people who respond really well to eating fruit and others like diabetics who eating fruit is potentially, you know, something they really need to monitor or people that have, um, you know, any kind of uh, allergic reaction or sensitivities to certain foods, you know, you're going to need to make decisions that are more beneficial to you than this blanketed idea that one diet works for all because it's just not true. So how would someone know once they have crossed that line into obsessive compulsion? That's kind of a loaded question. I don't think that you know right away. 
I think that okay. and for me, you know, I, I didn't know for a very long time. I think that the big signal for me was, like I said, I, I woke up one day, my romantic relationship had completely crumbled. I realized how much I hated my job. I realized how distant I'd gotten from my friends. It all just kind of hit me one day. But up until that day, I, I didn't necessarily see it. Okay. I think that really, if, if you're listening to this and any of what I'm saying is resonating with you, it's probably something that you need to consider. Okay. Like, is, is a problem for you. Like, I think that that is the only way you can understand is to listen to other people's experiences and to see if there are any parallels. Because I think, again, when you're in it, sometimes it's so hard to see. I thought it was normal. You know, I, I thought it was normal to worry about what to eat all the time. I thought it was normal to plan my meals weeks in advance. I mean, I still do that because I just really like to meal plan by habit now. Yeah. But I mean, at the time it was because I was trying to be very vigilant about what I was eating and I wanted to make sure that I was ready to, you know, I thought that was just normal. I didn't realize that it was obsessive compulsive behavior yeah. because, you know, it was my norm. So I think that having conversations like this more often and getting mm -hmm. that information out there. And if you are in the listener's space and you're saying to yourself, well, it sounds like me. I, I think that that's really the only way that you can realize it because especially if you've done it for your entire life, it's yeah. just going to be, it's just going to be the way it is, you know? So for someone that is listening, that maybe they have a friend or a family member or someone close to them, what should they do, if anything? Like, how can they be supportive, considering that the person may not know? Yeah, I think that you would need to do a little bit of thought on if it's, if it's your place. And I, and I say that because some people are going to, some people are going to receive information from certain people better than others. Yeah. Um, like I am someone who any of my friends and family can tell me anything and, and fine, you know, but there are some people who they only want to receive sensitive information like that from, you know, a close family member or their partner or something like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, really ask yourself first, is this information that this person would receive well from me? Because if the answer is no and you approach them, it might make the situation worse. You know, they might turn to food even more as sort of a rebellion, right? Um, if the answer is yes, I think you just need to really approach the conversation always in person, <laughs> never via text or phone even, always in person, and just approach it from a place of compassion and love and understanding not necessarily of the situation itself because unless you've been in that position it is hard to really understand but at least the understanding that that person is struggling and what they need more than anything is support and having the conversation from a place of genuine concern and love and care and not from a place of judgment or i think you're doing this wrong you're hurting exactly. yourself you're doing this, you know, approach the conversation with questions. Like, is everything okay? How are you? You know, and if they start to open up about some things, you know, be like, well, yeah, because I've kind of noticed, you know, you seem a little crazy. That's not the right word to use, of course. You seem a little, you know, <laughs> off when it comes to food. You seem a little, you know, um, 
tunnel visioned with your dieting and I'm just concerned. I, I want to make sure everything is okay. And if they say everything is okay, you have to, you have to just let them, you know, and then maybe yeah. approach the conversation at another time. But the point is, is that whenever you have these kinds of sort of confrontation conversations, especially when it's something so personal as weight, it has to be about that person and not about you telling them your concerns. That's good. You kind of understand, again, if they're ready to hear it from you and how they would need to hear it from you in order for it to actually make an impact. I agree with that. What would you tell someone who is 13? Oh man, I would first give them a very, very long hug because <laughs> that's what they need more than anything. Yeah. And I would tell them to spend a little less time worrying about what other people are thinking and trying to please those people mm -hmm. and spend more time connecting with who they actually are. Because what I found more than anything, as I kind of hinted to earlier, was that my dieting and my obsession with my weight was my excuse for not developing a real identity. I sort of embodied this fake identity of a chronic dieter. That was who I was. Yeah. And that was easy. You know, it was easy to wake up every day and count my calories. It's easy to, you know, I, I knew that I knew what was going to happen, right? Yeah. It's hard to develop a real identity of real hopes and real passions and pursue them. That is hard. You know, and I never did that work because I was always so focused on dieting. So as a 13-year-old girl especially, you know, I think that for me there was this idea, like, if I don't lose weight, I'm never going to be loved, right? Because, you know, yeah. I grew up during the Disney age and they oh, were yeah. all, of course, <laughs> right? <laughs> they were all, of course, you know, very thin and beautiful. And that was the idea. Like, I needed to be this beautiful little princess to get my prince. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who grew up in the Disney princess age, <laughs> like, my heart's out to you. Everyone. It just screwed up an entire generation of women. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like this idea that, you know, there is a man out there who's going to love you exactly as you are. And, you know, I, I talked about this with one of my clients not too long ago who was posting um, this kind of tangent, but she was posting all of these photos on, social, on uh, uh, dating apps of just her face and like very strategically like the upward angle so that she looked slimmer and she did all the editing. And then um, she would start talking to someone and they would ask her for a full body photo and she would send it and they would unmatch her. And I'm like, well, of course they are because you're attracting men yeah. who are attracted to thin women. You need to embrace who you are because there are men out there who are attracted to big women and who prefer big women. Um, that's obviously a little bit, you know, higher or lower depending on you know culture i feel like yeah um, women of color can experience that a little bit better because other cultures are a little bit more open than you know the traditional white american lifestyle the patriarchy mm -hmm. that as they were but you know i think that this idea of trying to be something that you're not in order to please other people whether it's to get friends or to get a boyfriend or to get a job or whatever you're doing in the end, it's just a disservice to yourself. And so instead of worrying about, you know, whether you should eat that cupcake or instead of worrying about whether you can fit into a size two jeans, maybe you should think about, you know, what you can do that day to make yourself happy. You know, what hobby can yeah. you pick up? What passion can you pick up? What can you learn? What can you do? You know, because I spent most of my life not developing who I was as a human being. 
Mm-hmm. And really that's why we're here. We're here to become the best versions of ourselves. And so little of that is dependent on the size dress we wear, you know, and exactly. we're definitely conditioned to believe the opposite. But as 13 year old me, I would definitely say just understand that whatever size you are is perfectly fine because that's the size you are. And if you were meant to be another size, you would be. Now, that's not to say that you can't pursue healthier habits. Great. If that results in weight loss, great. If it doesn't, that's great too. As long as you're taking care of yourself in the best way that you can, whatever size you are is exactly how you're meant to be. And I think that right there is the biggest takeaway that I'd love for anyone listening to this podcast is, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to be anything else than what you are right now. Because if you were supposed to be, you would. Yeah. Yeah. You can always improve, but that's by choice. Not because you're, you know, immoral for being who you are. You're not wrong or bad for being your size or your gender or your sexual orientation or your profession, whatever you are, that's great. Cause that's who you are. If you want to make changes, great. But it's not about what other people want. It's about what you want. Raising a daughter, it's important to know things about body image and about, you know, all of these different things so that, you know, we're not repeating this cycle over again. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Uh, One uh, one thing that I would like to add really quick um, for the the parents out there, keep in mind that your children will watch you, not just about your body image or anything like that, but they will watch you and they will pick up things from you, even if you don't verbalize them to them. So, you know, live your best life so that they can see you as your best self and learn from that version of you in all areas, not just body image. That, there you have it. (laughs) There, There you have it. That's, that's the perfect way to end this episode. Again, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where can people find you? So you can find me on my website, which is thewellnessproject.net. You can also find me on social media, all major platforms with my full name, Samantha Hohenschel, which I'm sure you can spell out in the show notes because I know that that's kind of a mouthful for people, but um, yeah. everything except uh, Twitter. Twitter, I'm just Sam Hohenschel, but everything else is Samantha Hohenschel. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and just sharing all of this wonderful insight that everyone can use. Did you enjoy this episode? If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and our new YouTube channel with video interviews premiering in season three. I'd also love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing MSE Podcasts Conversation Starters Deck, available for purchase at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms, share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms, bygracenp.com, and YouTube now. Hope to hear from you soon.